What's up, you guys? We're back uh, here with episode two of the Sauce Lab podcast with your host, Jason Schwartz. I'm so happy to be back. The first week of people telling me how the podcast went was fantastic. I'm so happy all you guys loved it, love my different perspective, and I hope to only work off of what I did in episode one right here with episode two. This is one that I've been concocting for a while, one that I've been writing for a very long time and doing a lot of research trying to figure out which, like, how this episode would go. But today I'm going to be breaking down two of the teams that I really feel are going to be fantastic for the next three to five years and two that I think really need to do something quick if they want their next three to five years to be successful or them to like go out of the next three to five years looking like they have some promise rather than an implosion that I see on the horizon of mediocrity that turns to being awful. And if they do some of the things that I think here, then they could rise to stardom. So just first and foremost, before we get into my teams that I have, I'd also like to say I have I've worked I've been working with the audio a little bit and hopefully this should be a little bit crisper and a little bit clearer in your guys's ears. Hopefully not too loud, but like I said in the first episode, I'm working on it. If any of you guys have any ideas for how I can improve my social networking, how I can improve what I'm saying, how I can improve anything, please feel free to shoot me an email, leave a comment below. Uh, reach out to me in any way, shape, or form. I really want to make a fan base that is connected with me and I can get my thoughts out to you guys and you guys to me and everything like that. I'm definitely going to be doing Twitter Q&As and stuff like that in the coming future, or I want to at least. So, yeah. Now we are going to get into the teams that I'm really liking. I, I want to hop right into it because I think that I'm going to have a lot to say about all four of these teams. I'm going to first I'm going to first preface this with the loves, the teams that I think that are, are in a fantastic place to go forward. But one of the things, one of the caveats with these two teams, which to some, even me, who I think that the quarterback is such an important position, they are without a answer at quarterback, I'd say, which might sound originally like, hey, how how is it possible that a team that's down on a quarterback right now going to be so much better in the future? But I'd like to go to an article written by International Business Times back in 2018, which listed the top quarterbacks and the top te- the teams who needed a quarterback and the teams who didn't. And really, when you look at it, the teams that were at the bottom of the list are now at the top in 2021, and the teams that are at the top are now at the bottom in 2021. Number 32 was the Cardinals, who had Josh Rosen. Now they have Kyler Murray up in the top 10. 31 was... The Jaguars, who are now looking at Trevor Lawrence and looking so much better. Thirty was the Jets, who are still in a pro- who are still have a quarterback problem, but with the signs pointing towards Zach Wilson or Deshaun Watson, it looks like they're going to be shooting right up. Twenty nine was the Bills. Everybody knows Josh Allen now an MVP candidate. Twenty eight the Ravens now have Lamar Jackson an MVP candidate. Twenty seven was the Niners 
who are still eh at quarterback. 26 was the Vikings. 25 was the Buccaneers, who just won the Super Bowl. So as you can see, all these teams that are at the bottom of the list are actually doing pretty solid in the quarterback world. And then when you go up to one, number one is the Chiefs, who obviously still have Patrick Mahomes. But then number two, the Saints, quarterback problem. Number three, Chargers. They luckily figured it out last year, but it only took last year. Four, Seahawks, quarterback problems. That's all we've heard this offseason, and the talks are starting to ramp up about Wilson not being happy there. The Colts, quarterback problem. The Rams, just traded, but before that, quarterback problem. The Texans, quarterback problem. The Patriots, quarterback problem. The Falcons, quarterback problem. The Steelers, quarterback problem, which is hilarious that the... All these teams that are at the top of the list in 2018, only three years later, are making the shift and are now at the top of the list or at the bottom, whatever, and they mishmashed. So that's my reasoning for why I think that it's not too big of a thing to go against what I'm about to say, that these teams don't have the quarterback, because I think that if they can do these next three years right, they will have the quarterback necessary. So I'm going to start with the team that I really like, not love, but I think that they are in an incredible spot for the future going forward, and that is the Carolina Panthers. Now, let me get into why I think that the Panthers are going to be a team that is making NFC Conference Championship runs for multiple, multiple years. They're going to be this stacked roster in the next three or four years, and I think that they're in a fantastic place to start winning even sooner than the team that I love. I'll start with Matt Rule, I think, is the guy for the job. He was originally uh, on the Jets' radar when he was in the coaching carousel, but he ultimately chose Carolina. I like the signs that he showed when Christian McCaffrey was out. I like what he did with Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who I thought was mid-tier and proved a little bit higher than mid-tier. I obviously don't think that he's the correct answer for quarterback, but I really like what He's done with the entire roster, and I think that he is the right head coach to go on this multiple-year win, winning seasons for a while. I think as of right now, Bridgewater would work for maybe a one-year rental or maybe a one-year teach-a-young guy, but I personally think that the Panthers would do so much better with a young guy than getting a veteran to step in and do maybe a 10-11 win season versus drafting somebody at that eighth slot or even trading up to take uh, Trey Lance, to take a Justin Fields, to take Zach Wilson, to get somebody there. Or, I mean, I, I don't hate the idea of trading back and taking Mac Jones and developing Mac Jones under Teddy Bridgewater, but I think that those four first guys are, are the four first guys. I meant three because I know that Trevor Lawrence will be going to the Jaguars. But I think that if... The Panthers can somehow leave the draft with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. They're in a fantastic spot. Obviously, you guys know about the running back. When Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he is a top five running back, and he's one of the few in the league that I think is not only elite at running the ball, but also elite at receiving, and that's the only type of running back that I would pay. We've seen elusive backs not it, it doesn't work when you pay them, even trucking backs like Derrick Henry type. I know Derrick Henry does put the team on his back somewhat, but I don't even think you pay the trucking back. The only type of running back that you pay is the Alvin Kamara, James White, Christian McCaffrey, J.D. McKissick, ones that can 
line up at different positions, especially how football is becoming positionless. I think that McCaffrey is such an amazing player for this new era. When you look at the receiving core, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, clearly a top eight duo in the league for just ride receivers alone. And then their third guy is Curtis Samuel, who's right now planned to be a free agent. If they can retain him again in that positionless football, they were running him at running back last year, put him in the slot, put him on the outside, really put him anywhere. And I think that he'll get the job done. But I don't even think that they need to necessarily bring him back. I think they have other points of need that they could put their money into other than Curtis Samuel for a third and then instead get some type of John Brown, Marvin Jones Jr., Willie Sneed to fill out that third role. On their O-line, Taylor Moten is great. I think he's really fantastic. He also is somebody that's a free agent, and I think that he should be their first priority, not Curtis Samuel. I like Matt Part Paredes. I'm sorry if I'm botching that pronunciation, but overall, the O-line does need a bit of work, a bit of work, especially compared to the rest of the league, but that is definitely their lowest spot. So then now we're flipping over to the defensive side. I think that when you look at teams that consistently make it far in the playoffs, they have a mauler. And that means not somebody who's good, not even somebody who's great, somebody who's fantastic, either on the defensive line or at the edge rush position that could just wreak havoc on the quarterback and really make them frustrated and not and switch up play calls and force them to run the ball and things like that. And I think that they already have two maulers in Brian Burns and Derek Brown, the D tackle and left outside linebacker who are both 24 years and younger and just have so much potential to be some of the best at their position in the league. Now, even though Brian Burns did not make the Pro Bowl and Derek Brown didn't either, I think that both are capable of making the Pro Bowl already by next year, definitely within two to three years. But I think that they're in a fantastic position to keep winning. In their secondary, Dante Jackson and Jeremy Chin, I think, are fantastic players. Jeremy Chin can play this hybrid linebacker in the box safety role. And Dante Jackson, I think this is his year to take that James Bradbury type jump. I know I'm also comparing James Bradbury is the former Panthers cornerback who obviously now you would have loved to seen them retain him and watch him break out like this. But I think that Dante Jackson is poised for this breakout year this year. I think that also on their line, Yaturgros, or on their defense, Yaturgros Matos, a rookie last year, Shaq Thompson, a veteran right outside linebacker who who's fantastic at tackling and is now taking on that Luke Keekley veteran leader in the middle role, and Trey Boston, who's also a veteran safety who brings a veteran leadership to the team. I think that they're fantastic pieces. And then I think that three underrated guys on this roster who can step up big time at positions of need are Troy Pride Jr., the cornerback, Ian Thomas, the tight end, and Greg Little, the left tackle. I think that those are three players who really have no nowhere even near hit their what their potential could be. And obviously, that's a big what if, if they are as good as I think that they could be. But Troy Pride could... I. He's definitely the one that I have the most faith in out of those three. But they're 15th in cap space. They have that eighth pick like I was talking about. And I think that they're going to go into the season with an aggressive mindset to really capitalize off of these two maulers on 
the two Maulers in the front seven, the two Pro Bowl level players in the back, the top five running back, the fantastic receivers, and really go crazy with this roster that I think has is not only young, but n- most of them haven't hit their potential. Now for the team that I'm loving. This is a team that I think can be making Super Bowls for years to come. Super Bowls, plural. This feels like a dynasty waiting to happen. And it's a team that is not being talked about nearly enough. And that is the Washington football team. Now I'm going to go into why I think that they should do it. I personally also, like the Panthers, love Ron Rivera. Coming from the Panthers, actually. But I think that he has... Like the perfect winning mindset. He's got the veteran. He's made it to the Super Bowl. He's doing so right with a team that had so much wrong going into the season. For shit's sake, they don't even have a real team name. And they're still like getting it done, making the playoffs. Heineke having that fantastic game against the Buccaneers in round one. Even though they lost, they showed so much promise. But more about Ron Rivera. Thankfully, he beat cancer, which is fantastic. And then also just speaking on Rivera, I know that this is more than him, but the entire team getting rid of Dwayne Haskins midseason made me confident that this was a team that was that you needed to fit the right mold. And even though Haskins is still young, still developing, some might say they really didn't see him putting on putting in the effort, the football effort that you need to be a player that is going to contribute to a good team and they got rid of him right there on the spot. And I think that that sends a message to all the players in the locker room to really step up. They are gaining momentum from that. And they think that that's going to push them into a better spot. Like all the chaos on the team, I think is something that I can all rally around and t- turn them into such a better product in the future. For, I think that the quarterback situation right now is even worse than the Panthers. I think that right now, the, the only player that I think is on roster is Heineke, who just signed a two-year extension. I don't think that he'd be going into the season as the starter. I hope not. Or else I think that that's kind of just missing the boat on what they could do. I think that a very underrated move that no one is talking about that I've had on my radar a lot the Atlanta Falcons right now are sitting at four, and I do think that they would obviously love to have a rookie learn under the tutelage of a former of a former MVP in Matt Ryan. But say that Washington comes out swinging and offers a second and a fifth, or a second and a fourth, or I mean, I I think that it would maybe be the first. I'd rather them not do the first because I think that if you could really sell it to the Falcons that they're in this weird spot where they're not winning. Julio's old. You need the draft picks now. Got your quarterback. He's the fourth pick. Let him start today. You get rid of Matt Ryan. Send Matt Ryan to the football team, and I think that he will go to work. I think that they should go veteran leader either way. I think that this is a bit older and a bit more talented of a roster than the Panthers. So... I think maybe, maybe swing on a late quarterback in Mac Jones and then have him sit for two years and sign somebody else. I don't love that. I think that the players that I really wanted them to go for were Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, possibly in a trade, Ben Roethlisberger, if he wants to do a final go for the chip year, Jimmy G, 
Cam Newton, Jameis Winston. Those are just some names that I have if they wanted to do some young quarterback learn behind. But really, the ones that I like the most, if they want to just go out and win now, are Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, two guys that I think that if you paired them up with the roster that they have currently, that you are in for a fantastic next couple of years. Now, moving past their quarterback position, at the running back position, they have two guys who I really, really love. Two also fitting the mold of what I said in the first part. Antonio Gibson, last year's rookie, and J.D. McKissick, a veteran, make up a fantastic backfield where both players are receiving backs. And especially in this time of positionless football, run some weird two running back sets, run one in the slot, one at running back. You could switch them in and out. I mean, that goes for crazy, like, switches up the defense. I really love what they can do with those two running backs. At receiver, Terry McLaurin, I think, is now entering the conversation of top 10 receiver in the league. He was only a rookie two years ago, and he hasn't even nearly hit his full stride, his full potential. And that is with the play of below-average quarterbacks. So I think that if they can get this quarterback, they can really vault McLaurin. He could easily, easily go into the top five, top three conversation. This season, we saw the breakout of Logan Thomas, the tight end, who miraculously shot up in the second half of the season into around a top eight tight end in the league, which is incredible. I think that Cam Sims and Antonio Gandy-Golden have some potential. I'm not saying that they should be the two going into next year, and I think that they should utilize free agency and the insane amount of receivers in the draft at getting a new two but then having those two guys as the three and the four will do them justice on the o-line you have brandon scherf who you really need to sure up but once you sure him up i they've got a really 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 underrated o-line brandon scherf chase roulier and morgan moses on the right side i do think they need to sure up left tackle for sure i think an underrated they're an underrated team that's in the work for Ronnie Stanley. Maybe if they wanted to trade that first round pick for Ronnie Stanley, I would not hate that at all. I think that even though he didn't play his best position of or his best year of football this past year, I think that he is more than worth a first round pick at his position and his age and his cap hit. I think that that would be a great trade. And over so overall, now that I'm done with the offense, it sounds like that's so fantastic. And that's their weak point, which is so eye opening that they have a could be top three receiver, a rookie running back who's looking so fantastic. Top eight tight end. Great O-line in a place to get a good quarterback. And the offense is what they're lacking in. Their front seven is really why I'm here. It is top three in the league, maybe top two, maybe top one. I think it depends on who you ask. And like I said in the last one, to to be this team that consistently goes far in the playoffs, you need a mauler. Now, the funny part about the football team is they have six. I, I genuinely think that they have six guys who are true maulers, who are still more than great at getting to the quarterback and wreaking havoc. And those guys are on the outside, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Ryan Kerrigan. And on the inside, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Matt Ioannidis. I think those are six guys who can disrupt the quarterback consistently. And especially uh, the dude that I need to highlight is Chase Young. 
uh, rookie, the second pick this past year, who was already in that playoff game looking like he was a veteran who the whole team was rallying around and he was vocal and the camera kept pointing to him and he was the lifeblood of that defense and he was still only in his first year. It felt very Nick Bosa to me. And as we saw, Nick Bosa in his first year went to the Super Bowl. I think that if they had a little bit more uh, pieces and they got a few more things right, they could be there very soon. Ryan Kerrigan is a free agent coming this year, and I think that you can let him walk given the amount of depth and amazing players that you have in that front seven plus his age. But if he wanted to come back on a one or two year deal to be that veteran leader for the front seven, I don't think that that is out of possibility whatsoever. In it, in their secondary, they have Kendall Fuller and Ronald, Ronald Darby, who are both proven cornerbacks. Fuller is a Pro Bowl level player. Darby is more than solid. Their safety, Carmen Curl, was the third best rookie safety, in my opinion. He did a fantastic job at going in the box and rushing the quarterback, but also staying back. And actually, Jeremy Reeves, their other cornerback, both of which, Curl and Reeves, are 23 years old, and he ranked fourth out of all total safeties for PFF, for grading system. That is two dudes who are young, that have so much time to grow and develop under Rivera. And uh, with the knowledge of Kendall Fuller and Ronald Darby, two proven veterans who can teach them, I think that they're going to be a fantastic secondary that's really going to complement the front seven, and the front seven will complement the secondary. And then in the middle, Cole Holcomb is a also young, very young player who I think has a lot of potential to be that middle, everything works around him type guy. I mean, I think that the front seven will be the highlight of this team, but he will be a very great person there, too. And the biggest thing is that they're fifth in cap space in the entire league. They have the cap the capability to go out and get a Kenny Galladay if they really want. If they really want to shore up that left side, they can go get Joe Tooney and pair him with Brandon Scherf. If they really wanted, they could go out and get Sherman and get a third really solid cornerback. They can, I mean, I personally not like to mess with the development of these safeties, but if they wanted to get an Anthony Harris or a Marcus Williams, I would really like that. I think that that could shoot their team up a lot. Actually, Marcus Williams, I do really like on that team, filling in for the Jeremy Reeves role. But those are the two teams that I really am so confident on. Uh, I also wanted to just throw in two honorable mentions for teams that I think have a great future, but... They're not the two that I'm really analyzing. And those are the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts. And yeah, so I hope that you guys agree with those. Now we are going to flip over to the defensive side to do two teams that I think I'm really hating for the future. And I'm going to kind of go over some steps that they need to take on ways to start their rebuild now rather than being in this weird limbo of below average for multiple years and not good. I think, again, like the first one, there's one that I hate, hate, and one that I think it'll take so much perfection and so much, so many things need to hit right for them to actually get up. And the other one is they're looking bad, but with the, they're a team that has done it right before, so I'm not too worried about them. The first team that I'm really, that I hate, 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 is, and you could probably guess it, the Houston Texans. 
uh, I, I can go on for hours about how awful every aspect of the team is. The, the staff is horrific, and we've seen that time and time again with Bill o, even the Bill O'Brien era into the new era. The staff doesn't know what they're doing. The coaching really doesn't seem up to par with getting uh, interviews with Josh McCown, a dude who literally was just a quarterback two years ago, and they ended up signing David Culley, who I don't hate necessarily he's okay but when you look at the market the enemy was available and they and sala didn't even get the interview and so many things like that i don't love the coaching i don't love the players that are on the team currently and their future outlook just looks abysmal i think step one is get jack easterby a pastor who they now have he came from the patriots and he's been giving his tutelage and knowledge to the team and so far it seems like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing he is fucking up the team and he is only driving them worse and i think that david Culley was not a coach that could have this fantastic drive to get the team back on his back he's going to be this quiet conservative guy who's letting jack easterby continue to do these bad things for the franchise while he has this power obviously easterby doesn't want to be out but i think that they made a mistake in not signing somebody that would come in and say, you get out of here. Let's switch this up. I think that one that that is step one. And until that happens, the team isn't really going to make competent moves that I'm about to name. But I'd like to think that in the near future, they might open their eyes and realize what they have and what they need to do going forward. Step two is learn that you need to trade Watson and start the bidding war now. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's trade market should be the highest for any player in NFL history. I, I've been trying to look back and find another trade for a 25-year-old who was just entering his prime, who was number one in the league in yards, who was so unhappy with his current situation that he'd basically go anywhere. And it really, I don't see anything like that. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get a dude who will hopefully play for your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. We're seeing Breeze, we're seeing Brady, and I know that Watson does have a different play style, but we're seeing all these players playing in their 40s and he's only 25. He has so much time to be fantastic for years and years to come. So I think you... Finally, look yourself in the mirror and you say, I know that we want Watson. I know that he'd be so great for us, but he doesn't want to play here. So rather than exacerbating all the stuff that's going on and making it this difficult position where he's now going to fake injuries and he's not showing up to practice and he's getting fined and all this stuff just for it to ultimately implode around week six. Instead, you go into the media and you say, "Okay, Watson will be traded. And you do that before the Jets trade Sam Darnold, before the Eagles trade Carson Wentz, before the Niners trade Garoppolo, before the rook, before the draft, especially before the draft, before every team's going to get their quarterbacks and even get their late round guys that they're like, eh, I'd rather just keep this late round guy than take a shot on Watson, give up our whole future and whatever. It's I, I really, really, really hope that the, a deal can get done soon. And that's going to be the only and best way for them to be great for the future. I think step three is let Will Fuller walk. I know that he's very talented, but after the allegations with performance enhancing drugs in the first or in last year, I think you let him walk. It's you're now going to be losing Watson anyways. He was very solid. He was injury prone. 
it's it's not worth it for the Texans to break the bank on the money that they have on Will Fuller. I think that instead they put it into other positions, other players. He's played there his whole career. Let him go somewhere else. Next, and I think that the biggest one is they need to scrap. Uh, and this is going to be the same thing that I say for the next team. They really need to scrap the team of vets and give the younger players a uh, chance in the David Culliara. And I know that you're going to say, what younger players? It really doesn't seem like they have younger players. We're seeing in this age of the NFL, it is so common now that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round players, even undrafted players, are coming in in their second and third year and playing fantastic. So if you can really trade these vets and scrap that the and scrap the team that they currently have, just to even get late round picks, very late round picks, have those players and let them play. See see what you got. And even if that means that you've got 16 to 20 players on your roster who are very young, who are getting substantial playtime and only four or five hit, then so be it. And that's four or five more players than I think that they'd have now. What they need, I, It's already started, as you can see with J.J. Watt, who asked to be traded or he asked to leave and they actually didn't trade him. They just cut him right away. And I, I obviously understand that they were trying to do right by him. It is difficult from like a general manager standpoint, not being able to get compensation for a dude who's so legendary at his position. But they did right with him and they just let him walk. He clearly didn't want to be there either and wants to be on a championship roster. And I think that some of the dudes that I'm about to name are also players who could just at least be on a roster that makes a deep run versus being on this strange four to five win. No Deshaun Watson Texan squad that isn't going to do Jack. Okay, so for the veterans that I think that should not be on the team in the coming years, I think that they should trade Brandon Cooks. They should trade their middle linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney, trade Bradley Roby. Those are three players that I think still have somewhat trade value. I think Cooks could go for around a third or fourth. McKinney for a third or fourth, maybe closer to a third. And Roby for probably a third, fourth, fifth. They're all players who are 28 and above. They really don't. They are being paid way too much for who they are. They don't need to be here that that's really how i see it i see a team with oh and then also i i hadn't mentioned this earlier but because i kept saying get draft picks the reason why they need to get draft picks so bad is because they don't have any they made a trade last year or two years ago where they gave up almost all of their draft picks for laramie tunsil an all pro left tackle which i i like them i liked the move at the time but it's so like kevin garnett type you make this trade and then it ends up fucking you over in the back. It is what it is. I think for the running backs, there is no longer a trade market for both of the Johnsons, Duke Johnson and David Johnson. So rather than keeping them and having them get 700 rushing yards on stupid amount of attempts, cut both of them. I think we've seen the Dolphins last year with Gaskin and Ahmed have undrafted rookie running backs be productive it's not worth it to keep these dudes who are old and not getting any better and expensive when instead you could just take the cap penalty for now and move on with a undrafted rookie 
then I think that you search the market for the dudes that I'm about to name, but I think that these are all dudes that likely won't have much trade value and could end up being cut as well, even if it's worth the cap penalty that they're going to be going for. Whitney Merciless, Randall Cobb, Nick Martin, Zach Fulton, and Darren Fells are five dudes who I think, again, old, don't need to be there, getting paid way too much. It's worth it's worth it to take the dead cat for one or two years, and then you end up being in such a better place in three years rather than having them play there, not being able to play your older guy or your younger guys, and they just take up space to not win. It, it doesn't make much sense to me. And then lastly, with their team, I think I have questions with their two best players talent-wise once Watson gets traded, and that's Justin Reed and Laramie Tunsil, who are two players that I do think are very talented, are worth their money, are somewhat young, but what it seems is that their timeline isn't going to match up with when the Texans want to be good. It seems like the Texans are going to fully go around this rebuild and it'll take four to five to six years to even be relevant again. And by the time that they're relevant again, those players are now in their low 30s, already going to be the vets of the team. So I understand keeping them if it's necessary, but check the trade market for them. If you can get a team that's trying to make a push who has a mid-round first a mid first round pick right now for Tunsil straight up. I'd say do it. I'd say reset. I'd say if you have a team that's end of the first round who needs a safety, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of a team that could use a safety in the back. Maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Ravens, uh, a team like that that could trade and get Justin Reed. I think you do it. I, I think that if you have to keep them, it's not awful. But those are two players that I think could and should get traded. And then lastly, the other team that I don't like, I think that they are a team that's gotten it done in previous years, but I don't love where they're going, is the New England Patriots. Now, I understand everybody always says Belichick gets it done. Belichick gets it done with what he has. And I even do think that last year he did outperform based on what the roster was. And I think that with another coach, that roster would have gone four or five wins, but Belichick willed them to seven and nine. Actually, in the beginning of the season, I think that they were like in the playoff conversation. But then as we went on, we realized Cam's not the guy. The rest of the team wasn't good enough. They didn't surround him with enough weapons. And it's time to move on. I think it's time for a brand new era. And what a lot of teams don't realize is that when they're starting this new era, they need a clean slate. They can't come in and say it's the new non-Brady era with Dante Hightower and with Bill Belichick and with James White and with all these players that were part of the Brady era. It doesn't work like that. That's still pieces of the old era. What I think that you need to do is you need to make a new roster. And I know that's going to take one or two years, but there's a lot of players on this team that I just don't see a reason for or I don't see a need for that if they're going to end up moving on from them in the next two years, get rid of them now. It's it's so much smarter. I do have to admit, though, their O-line and secondary are both top five in the league. But I think that everything else, they're bottom five in the league. And I think that the person that that's worst for is Bill Belichick. I'm not disagreeing that he's a fantastic coach. I'm not saying that he's not good. But I have a weird idea. It's going to come very out of left field. And you guys might 
think what the hell and turn off the podcast, but just hear me out. Robert Kraft trades Bill Belichick. Now hold your applause, hold your applause, hold your applause. I, I, it sounds crazy. I know Bill Belichick is the face of the Patriots. He's both the general manager and the head coach. But when you really look at both sides, this Patriots roster isn't fit to win in the next three years. Belichick's old, and it really seems like he's only going to be in this league for three to five more years. It, and would he rather overperform with this eh roster and continue to rack up losses on his legendary status or Does he do exactly what Brady does, get out of there, and go to a team where he can take over? Say that the Brandon Staley project does not work in L.A. He could go to the Chargers. I love that. Say that Zach Taylor doesn't get it fully done with the Bengals this year, and they fall short of the playoffs, and they go only 7-9. And they say the biggest reason for a 7-9 was the coaching woes. Go with Joe Burrow. I think that that would be so monstrous for the NFL. It's Coach trades have happened before. The Patriots need picks. If somebody maybe was willing to trade a very high pick, maybe a, I can't say that he'd go for a first-round pick. I really don't even know what like a coach's trade market would be. But he is a legendary coach, and there's no argue about that. So if he can be traded, I don't think that that's an awful thing. Right now, the on the team, the young players that they can build with are Chase Winovich and Kyle Duggar, and maybe on a good day, Josh Uche and Jacoby Myers. But that's it. Those four players are the young ones that they can build with. Everyone else seems like they're either going into numbers that are too old, they're they have some question marks, they're free agents, they're something. I think that they should try to resign Joe Tooney. But if not, don't break the bank for him. I know that they have a lot of money in free agency, but I don't think putting all of their money into O-line, which is already their best thing, is the smartest thing. They have great tackles as of right now. So while they do need to shore up the middle, and David Andrews is there too, while they do need to shore up that middle, I don't think that it's like pressing, pressing. But I, I do think that that should be a point of interest, that they should definitely be going after Joe Tooney. They're free agents. I think you you let them all walk, the ones that I'm about to name. James White, Jason McCourty, Cam Newton, Adam Butler, Lawrence Guy, John Simon, and Rex Burkhead are all very old. I don't see a place for them on this team, and I really don't see a way that they are going to keep those guys or re-sign them for no reason. I think that a big point, more than even the free agents, is that they need a shred. Very similarly to the Texans, they have so many players on this roster that the ages don't match up with the inconsistencies at some positions, and they need a scrap, and they need to get rid of Julian Edelman, Sony Michelle, Matt Lacoste, Marquise Lee, Donta Hightower, Patrick Chung, Juwan Bentley, Adrian Phillips, and Akeem Spence. And I know that that's so many players, and you're going to be like, so who's the roster? Who's even going to be playing? But you... I don't want to hear that Julian Edelman at 34 years old is any is even supposed to be on this team with a who knows at quarterback and they need so much talent at receiver. Julian Edelman isn't that guy. And I, I don't even see a trade market for him right now. But just try with uh, Sony Michelle. I really don't see a team choosing to spend their sixth round pick on trading for Sony Michelle 
over drafting a running back in the sixth round. If they do, fantastic. Get some picks out of it. If not, cut him. He's He shouldn't be there. I, I just don't see a reason. Marquise Lee it, it already was this high draft potential guy. Same with Dante Moncrief, who I didn't even name. But they're two high draft guys that are now high in their years. Why continue to have them on the roster and be this middle, oh, I don't know, maybe Belichick can do something with them guy. When instead you could sign an undrafted free agent who I think would play at least similarly, not like so much worse. Uh, They're not players. All these players that I'm naming aren't incredible. I think they're the best out of these are Donta Hightower and Patrick Chung, who I think are players that you could package and send to a team who is an eh defense who has a fantastic offense that could really take two veteran leaders on the defense. Honestly, I would I would love to see uh, them trade those two guys maybe to the football team for a second and have Hightower sit next to Holcomb in the middle and then have Chung be one of the other safeties. I don't hate that. It's just I feel like there's so much more to do than having them on that roster. And then last, the last player that I have here that I'm kind of up in the air about is Stephon Gilmore. I think that he's fine to stay on the roster as well. He's still a top five cornerback in the league, in my opinion, but he is 30. He's getting paid so much. And when I don't see a way for them to win, uh, I could so see on draft night, they make him available and a team overpays a first round pick for him and then you have this young dude that you can mold into whatever versus right now having an older player who's your literal only bright spot on the defense and I don't know there's not much else I think Jonathan Jones and JC Jackson are both young and very solid at corner so get Gilmore out of there and trade him for some young pieces maybe get a a young receiver that could help whoever they're going to put at quarterback get anything i don't know like i said before you guys might be saying what the hell who do they fill these positions with they have an abundance of cap space and they have multiple picks both from the trades that they will make and they've already kept their first round picks so they have plenty of picks and i know that say that they don't trade belichick obviously that's not likely he's mr take a six round guy and make him so good I thought that's what he's known for. So why have these 28 year old vets on weird on weird overpaid contracts when instead you could have these young dudes who I really like Gunner, who was their original returner, but I really never got to see him line up outside, put him outside. I like Damien Harris at running back, but I don't like him in a room with Burkhead White and Sony Michelle. So I think give him the reins, let him take over. Maybe if you want to take a Mac Jones and that's where you go, go with that. If you want to take a veteran guy and wait until next year when I think that you could get worse, get a top five pick and then take an amazing quarterback in next year's draft, something like that to get you back on track but as of right now their track is not looking too great another two teams that i wanted to give an honorable mention to for i don't think that they're at the right place i think that they're talented but it looks like things could come toppling down in the next couple years i didn't even write them but the saints with the cap situation i think i'm going to talk about that in another video but we're in another podcast But the ones that I wrote are the Eagles and the Falcons, two teams that have Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, a bunch of way too old players on their defense while they have holes on their O-line, holes at the receiver, things like that. And then with the Falcons, a below average defense, Julio, no one in the running back room, 
if they obviously capitalize on that fourth round on that fourth pick in the draft, that'll be great. But if not, then they have a 35 year old quarterback and I don't know. So those are in total my eight teams that I'm really feeling confident or not so confident about for the next upcoming season. I'd like to thank you guys so much for listening to my takes. I hope to hear from you guys in episode three. Have a fantastic day. Don't forget to tune in to Sauce Lab and tell your friends. Tell any of your football-loving friends or football geeks about me, and I'd love to reach out. I'm also going to be starting to find some of my new interviewees that I would like to have on to the podcast. So if you are at all interested in that, please reach out to me. I thank you guys so much, and have a fire day. Peace out.